Hi, I'm Danielle Gibson, and you're listening to The Confrontationalist. This podcast is for anyone who has ever said you're bad or scared of confrontation. And from my experience, this includes almost all of you. So I'm glad you're here. By listening to the show, you'll find yourself feeling much more comfortable saying what you mean so you can get what you want. Let's get started. Hi, welcome to the Confrontationalist Podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about the comment section on social media with regard to confrontation. I've been curious for a while about why there are so many fights and so much hostility in the comments on social media and why so many people comment who don't even read the content or watch the videos. I never understood why someone would comment just for the sake of commenting. So I started to think of the online aggression as a sort of online road rage because the fighting and hostility in the comments is a lot like losing your shit when you're driving. I thought the reasons for the two things had some overlaps, but obviously there's at least one major difference, which is that you can get seriously hurt with road rage. I don't know how many people think about why they participate in either or how emotionally and physically unhealthy it is to have outbursts like these. I consider all angry or hateful comments outbursts. So I thought this could be an interesting topic to talk about. In this episode, I'll start with a short section on road rage, then about the negativity online, how being non-confrontational offline can be something that leads to outbursts online, and why learning how to be more comfortable offline can lessen hostility online. So road rage. People can get triggered while they're driving, and the triggers can lead to aggressive or violent behavior that can involve anything from yelling, gesturing, like giving someone the finger, tailgating, speeding, cutting off other drivers, and in some cases, something that could lead to physical violence. But people who act this way are already experiencing emotional factors that can play a big part even before they get into the car. Things like stress, anxiety, impatience, and having anger issues that can be hard to manage while they're driving can all lead to road rage. And some people are competitive and see driving as a competition and feel the need to win on the road. Experiencing any of these could make people lash out in all sorts of situations. I found an article online with some statistics on road rage. It was written by The Zebra, which is an independent insurance advisor. There were three statistics that stood out. One is that 92% of people witnessed an act of road rage in the past year. In 2022, someone was shot and killed in a road rage incident every 16 hours. And then 66% of traffic deaths are caused by aggressive driving. That is a lot of anger. And based on how things are going, I can't imagine these numbers are going to go down anytime soon. These days, it seems like everyone is ready to explode in some way at any time. So why do people fight in the comment section? First, the comment section is a feature meant for users to comment on the content. It's a modern day continuation of an older publishing practice called Letters to the Editor. A letter to the editor is a published letter that was sent to a publication about an issue of concern to the reader. Today, the comment sections are used for discussion. Originally, the discussion was meant for exchanges of ideas or commentary, which still does exist, but on social media sites, so much of the content is some sort of criticism. It has become a place to fight and is full of hateful rhetoric. People fight or argue for a lot of different reasons, some of which can be complex and interconnected. One of the most straightforward reasons is a disagreement over a topic, issue, or opinion. 
There are a lot of diverse people with different backgrounds, beliefs, and values, which can make disagreements and conflicts inevitable. Many people go onto platforms that reinforce their existing beliefs. If people with a certain confirmation bias are exposed to others who have opposing views, that can feel threatening and can trigger arguments. Then there's the anonymity part. Online anonymity emboldens people to express themselves more aggressively than they would in face-to-face situations. There is a sense of safety, and it can also make them feel less accountable for what they write. There are a ton of algorithms. Social media ends up creating echo chambers with these algorithms where users are primarily exposed to content and opinions that align with their existing views. This can make people less tolerant of opposing perspectives and more likely to engage in fights. So even if the content of the post aligns with their views, the comments may not. A lot of what's written is emotionally charged. The nature of these discussions can lead to knee-jerk reactions. Just like with road rage, if someone is already experiencing strong emotions like anger or frustration, comments can easily be triggering. Some people are looking for attention and validation, and engaging in arguments can be a way to get these things. It can also be a way to get likes and shares which can make them feel important. There are a lot of online communities in which people share interests or ideologies, which can give members a strong sense of belonging and loyalty. And that can lead to groupthink. Very often with groupthink, any opposing views can be perceived as threats or criticisms, and that can lead to heated interaction. Another reason for the fighting is because a lot of people don't feel seen or heard in their lives offline, so they look for it online. Some of these people resort to hostile and aggressive behavior for attention, which can make them feel relevant. Because when you fight with a person in that moment, you are relevant to that person. So the more arguments you have, the more relevant you can feel. And some people invest their identity in their online personas, which can be very different than their personas in real life. Fighting can become a way to assert this identity and validate their beliefs or values. So arguing is one thing, but there's also a ton of hostility and hatred. And there are a number of reasons for hatred and hostility online. The reasons can vary widely and can be influenced by a combination of personal and situational factors. A lot of people may use social media as an outlet for their frustrations, stress, or negative emotions. And this can be a place to vent their feelings, which can lead to aggressive comments. There can be a perception of reduced accountability and a lot of comparison which can lead to angry outbursts. Then there's the fact that at this point, we're kind of desensitized to hostile content. And because of this, some people may be more prone to engaging in it because it's so normal. There is a loneliness factor that contributes to this as well. Loneliness leads to a desire for connection, which can lead to spending more time online. Some people who look to social media for attention may do it through hostile behavior because hostile behavior can trigger others to react similarly. And these interactions can go on for quite some time because of the hostility. Since engaging like this can be time consuming, the distraction is a break from the loneliness. There can be some mental health uh, concerns as well. There are a lot of people suffering from emotional distress or mental health problems. And depending on the person, this can lead to a higher level of online hostility or aggression. And then there's the disinhibition with regard to hostility. The disinhibition effect in psychology refers to the phenomenon where people engage in behaviors they might typically avoid in a public setting. It's driven by anonymity and reduced accountability 
in online interactions and can lead some people to be more aggressive, especially when they're lonely. Sometimes I see negative comments and reactions to videos that I think are totally benign. There are two that stand out for me. One is something I saw recently, and it's about food stalls in a holiday market. The food influencer spoke about all the different foods she tried that day. She talked about a vendor who made hot chocolate, one that serves cheesesteaks, a make-your-own s'more stall, a rainbow grilled cheese sandwich, and a ham and cheese sandwich with a huge amount of melted cheese melt that was melting off this ginormous wheel of cheese. Except for the rainbow grilled cheese sandwich, it all looked pretty good to me. And like I said, it seemed like pure entertainment, but that was my perception, which clearly differed from others. Many comments were positive, talking about how good the food looked and wanting to go to the market. They were there last year. And then there were comments that were different. And there were three that I really loved. The first one said, only a rich influencer can afford to eat there, which may or may not be true. I don't know what it costs. And then the second one is everything screams diabetes. There were a lot of diabetes cholesterol and heart attack references in the comments because there was so much cheese, I guess, but there were a lot. And then finally, my favorite, which is, what did you do with all of the leftovers? I hope you didn't waste the, all that food. Obviously, all people have personal biases. With regard to this video, I took it at face value. To me, it was a video showing and talking about food at a holiday fair. To other people, it was a video about diabetes and affluence. I also follow someone who fosters dogs. She has the cutest dogs and falls in love with all of them. She usually has them for a week, and because of these videos, they get adopted pretty quickly. It's hard for the foster mom because she really bonds with the dogs and wants to keep them all, but she can't because she already has a dog, and if she kept even one, she wouldn't be able to foster anymore. I think fostering is a really amazing thing to do, but not everyone in the comments section thinks the same way. There were some that I saw talking about how mean it is for a dog to bond with someone and get comfortable in their home, only to have them being taken away and given to a total stranger. And there were others that said things like, it would be better to keep them in a shelter until they get adopted. But that's just not true. Fostering is a great way to get a dog ready for a new family because it socializes them. It makes them comfortable and offers connection, which is something they wouldn't get in a shelter. And it could be something they have never gotten before. It's not uncommon to come across negative comments on online content, even when the content itself seems benign or neutral. Many reasons are for similar things I just spoke about. One is that people have different backgrounds, beliefs, and opinions, all of which can lead to varying interpretations of content. People have different perceptions that can lead people to different reactions. Some people have a tendency to interpret information in a way that confirms their pre-existing beliefs and that may make them perceive neutral content through a negative lens and affect the tone of the comments they leave. And people may bring their current emotional states into their online interactions. In the moment, if someone is feeling stressed, angry, or upset, they could be more likely to interpret content negatively, which could come across in their comments. Non-confrontational people who have a hard time being direct, speaking up, asserting themselves, and expressing their opinions generally avoid conflict at all costs in face-to-face -face interactions. But their online behavior can be totally different. 
when one of my clients first started working with me, he mentioned how much time he was spending online and how often he got really wound up and fought with people in the comment section. He knew it wasn't good for him and he didn't understand why he got so mad so often so quickly. One of the reasons he hired me was because he had a really hard time speaking up and expressing himself in group settings, but he had no problems expressing himself online. And after we spent some time talking about it, we figured out what was going on. The first thing was that he felt frustrated frustrated by his inability to speak up. So he held on to all that pent up energy that comes with stifling yourself and fighting online was an outlet for him to release that energy. It wasn't an ideal outlet, and he sometimes felt regret, guilt, or embarrassment, but it was still an outlet. And the second reason he felt so free to express himself online was because nobody knew who he was. He felt anonymous, which gave him keyboard courage. Keyboard courage comes about when someone feels anonymous, less self-conscious, less constrained, and has a lot of pent-up emotions that can lead to feeling emboldened to express themselves more aggressively online. My client started to make a lot of progress once we figured out what was provoking the way he was interacting online. As with road rage, stress, anxiety, and feelings of insecurity can show up in the comments section too. Lashing out in either situation is draining. Even though anger and frustration can feel empowering, that's just how you feel in that moment. You can't know how exhausting it is until you don't do it as much. If any of you get really aggressive on the road or online, And if you'd like to do anything about it, the first step is to become more aware of your feelings when you do it and also a desire to feel better. If you're driving and are even just honking your horn a lot, which I kind of think of as a precursor to road rage, when you can, think about how you feel in that moment and then try to think about how it compares to other times when you're feeling frustrated or anxious. If you tend to spend a lot of time arguing online or spewing a lot of hostility, ask yourself why you're doing it and figure out what is feeding that behavior. After that, think about how it feels and how it compares to other times when you lash out like that. If we have enough of an awareness, we can have the ability to choose how we want to respond versus what we do when we have a strong immediate knee-jerk reaction. The goal is to always respond because responding gives you the space to think about what you want to do or say versus reacting, which is an emotional and immediate response. Okay, so that's today's episode. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you have a really great week. Thanks so much for joining me. I'll be back soon with more insights to help you get closer to being an expert confrontationalist. If there are any topics you'd like me to talk about on the show, you can DM me through my Instagram at the underscore confrontationalist. You can message me through LinkedIn or contact me through my website, theconfrontationalist.com backslash contact. And finally, I'm sure you know at least five people who are terrified of being direct and having difficult conversations. So take a minute and think of who they are, go to your podcast app and share this episode with them today. See you next time.